More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. All right, so I have insomnia, but I've never slept better. And what's changed? Just a pillow. It's had such a positive impact on my life. And, of course, I'm talking about my pillow. I fall asleep faster. I stay asleep longer. And now you can, too. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-919-6090. Use the promo code Hannity. And Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has the special four-pack. Now, you get 40% off two MyPillow premiums and two go-anywhere pillows. Now, MyPillow is made here in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com right now or call 800-919-6090, promo code Hannity, to get Mike Lindell's special four-pack offer. You get two MyPillow premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows for 40% off. And that means once those pillows arrive, you start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep healing and recuperative sleep that you've been craving and you certainly deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code Hannity. You will love this pillow. I have the most insane staff in all of radio. I walk in my studio today. Balloons everywhere. Every, and it's not my birthday. It's not a holiday. The only tip-off I had, they were up to no good, was yesterday. Linda goes, oh, by the way, if you had a choice, do you like apple, cherry, lemon, uh, uh, pie? And I'm like, apple. Why? Actually, my favorite of all time is blueberry. Uh, Sarah Lee's. Blueberry, the one you cook for, and it takes forever to cook it. It's so annoying. So then I come, we're coming on the air here, and what? Where did you get these number one finger things? And put my, who's doing all this work? This is crazy. This is a team effort. Yeah, we're all very, very proud of you. <laughs> Who taped that? You're there? number one. Oh, so, good. so we're gonna we'll tweet out some pictures because the visual is priceless. But basically, no, we there's got, a thousand balloons. There's a thousand balloons. We have a bunch of number one balloons, and oh, then our gosh. friend uh, Quinn was able to find because I went to five different stores this morning. I spent my morning running around Manhattan looking for foam finger number ones. Oh my gosh! Ethan tried to get them at the Rangers game last night. For some reason, nobody has foam finger number ones. Oh, the the Rangers aren't exactly number one at the start of the year. They were last night. Last night was a great game, though. Okay. But anyway, so finally Quinn was like, yo, there's this tourist novelty shop. 
and they have uh, the fingers you want. I'm like, oh my god, I'm on my way. You then, you don't you, know. you don't have enough in your life uh, trying to furnish a new house, going back and forth between did an apartment and a I new house. Did you see what I put on these? Did you see what I put on these? Wait, did Last, you see that? Did you yeah, see that I mug see, shot? That ugly. Yeah, so that's right. That's a, look you at know that, that beautiful that's, picture. That looks like a criminal no, you know what shot. That, is? that that's looks number my, one, my mug. baby. Yeah. That's number one right there. And last night, so during the TV show last night, I am asking uh, Linda for a particular name that I had forgotten as, as I'm actually on the air, and she gets back to me at midnight. And I'm like, well, it's a little late. The show's Better late over. Better late than never. Right? Better late than never. Listen, like, your rerun starts right there. So I and she I goes, oh, you. I'm out walking the dog. That's what she said. I'm out walking the dog. Did you need it now? And I'm like, no, I needed it when I was live on television no, at 9 o'clock. What happened was, and you should give me some credit, was I took my son out for his first Halloween, and he had his first piece of candy. Little did I know that would keep him up for 19 hours. So I did not get my son to sleep till 1145, hence not seeing your text till 1150, far later than you needed it. My apologies. Oh, my gosh. 800-941-SHAWN is our toll-free telephone. Thank you all. I do have, listen, I have the best staff in all of radio and television. And you people are all crazy. And, Jason, I even saw you put the number one thing on. But I think yours was different. How is that a surprise to you? I can't be jovial from time to time? Occasionally, a little joviality over there would be good, although you do have that on the weekends from all the reports that I get from everybody else on the staff. You're happiest on weekends. Reports? Is there a dossier about me, too? Jeez. Uh, well, I don't know. There might be, actually. Who knows? I, I hope it's not the same one that's been circulated. Uh, listen, we, we won't have to spend $9 million to build one on you. We've, we've weaponized the intelligence community. We've weaponized the IRS we discovered against conservatives. Why not? Uh, anyway, thank you all. Amazing uh, crew that I have. And all right, everybody thought they were funny, and I, you got me. Although, just as all of a sudden I look up, and Stanger's never in the studio. He's now an executive. He's been with me 26 years, so he has a big office. Uh, and even Rush people, even they came in, which was pretty cool. Uh, and Rush was on our show uh, in the month of October, so he deserved part credit, too. Anyway, uh, as we continue, all right, I am, I was, until they did this, pretty pissed off today. And I'm pissed off for good reasons. You know, what are we, what are we learning? I brought up yesterday in the discussion, we're going to find out this guy was radicalized and that there was evidence proof out there on social media that he had some social media presence and that we were going to, we now know everything that about this guy and we apparently find out that he was interviewed by the New York w- w- interviewed in 2015 about his possible terror ties. Now this is not funny. This is, and then it gets worse than that, and it gets much worse than that, and it gets to the point where you can't even believe it's that bad. Now we find out that he came in through what is the diversity visa program. What's the diversity visa program? Now the president rightly pointed out today. That Senate Minority Leader Chucky Schumer of New York was the one responsible for creating the diversity lottery program. Well, how do you get a lottery into this? What, does that mean you apply for a lottery and you can be a homeless person with no skills that's radicalized? Whoop, you won the lottery, you get to go to America. And, of course, Chuck Schumer, no Democrat, supports any vetting of any refugees from anywhere, even those countries that literally abuse women and gays and lesbians get killed and Christians and Jews get persecuted if they live under Sharia. Anyway, the media is so outraged that the president did the right thing, and that was holding Chuck Schumer responsible and accountable for this program, which is the program this terrorist used to get into this country. 
And had he not had the the visa lottery diversity program, we wouldn't have this guy in this country, at least not that way. He would have had to find some other way to get into the country. So he gets the diversity visa program. He gets into America. He gets a green card. He's radicalized. And now eight families, extended families, are in mourning today because their loved one was mowed down, you know, in a, on a beautiful fall day in New York City as they were either biking or walking along a pedestrian path in New York City. And then the other 15 injured on top of that. Anyway, but let's go back in time. So the president this morning said that this terrorist immigrant that killed eight people and wounded all these others with this rental truck entered the U.S. through the diversity visa lottery program and that it was President Schumer and others that loosened the nation's borders. Well, it's just a fact. Now, the president at the time didn't provide the evidence of this. So we did some digging this morning. And what do we find? And I get, by the way, an NBC News. Oh, they didn't know how to possibly use Google. NBC News, you can use Google because if you found Google, you guys are all upset. He didn't cite any evidence. Well, we found on Google NBC News, fake news, NBC, that because two minutes after searching, you have a 2013 quote from Chuck Schumer that says, I was the author of the diversity visa program. And literally on Radio Liberty, Charles Schumer, uh, with the Gang of Eight, U.S. senators wrote the nearly 1,000-page immigration reform legislation now being considered in Congress. Last month, he said, fellow Democrats had agreed to scrap the lottery on the grounds of both politics and substance. Quote, I was the author of the diversity visa program, so I care about it, he said. We had strong opposition from both our Republican colleagues in our gang of eight. And we heard that for House of Representative Republicans, it was a non-starter. The program was an effort to bring in people from Europe and Africa. And it was successful for a while. So he's the author of this. Now, that bill was eventually blocked in the Senate. So Schumer's diversity lottery program remained in force right up until yesterday's attack. It doesn't matter to the fake news media in this country, which is desperately trying to cover up Schumer's contribution to yesterday's attack. Now, the Washington Post version of the cover up is President Trump and some of his allies in the extreme right have found a new culprit in Tuesday's deadly terrorist attack in New York City. Senator Charles Schumer of New York and details emerged about the incident. Prominent right wing commentators and news outlets seized on ABC 7 story reporting the alleged attacker, the terrorist, had come to the United States from Uzbekistan under a State Department program known as the Diversity Visa Program. Well, that story is unconfirmed, the Washington Post said. But Trump appeared uh, off base in his criticism of Schumer. Well, we now have the fact. When are they going to correct themselves over there at the Washington Post? This is why there is no truth in media anymore. They're only advancing their sick, twisted ideology. So Trump is off base. Uh, Really? No, because we now have Trump Schumer saying it in his own words, bragging about it. Now, does that mean yesterday wouldn't have happened? Not necessarily. Does it mean the guy wouldn't have gotten in under that program? Yes. He wouldn't have been here. Does that mean it would have been more difficult for him ever to get to America? 
Yes. Does that lessen the possibility of yesterday? Yes. That's the answer. Now, if you think that's bad, it gets even worse. Now, in New Jersey, there have been a number of areas where certain mosques, evidence has led, because I've known a lot of policemen and counterterrorism experts, some are personal friends of mine, that put their lives on the line for us every day. Anyway, it turns out that the mosque that this terrorist attended, you know, this guy that mows down eight people on a beautiful fall day in New York City, had been under surveillance by the New York Police Department. You're saying, why? It's in New Jersey. Well, I'll explain. It's in Patterson, New Jersey, and it turns out that the, the terrorist in this case attended this and was among several in New Jersey and, and the New York Police Department. This was one mosque that these police departments targeted, and they targeted it based on evidence that there was a budding terrorist conspiracy network in these mosques. Now, here's the interesting part. Anyway, it was around the corner, this particular mosque, from where this terrorist lived. And Wednesday, the mosque was within the three-block section that was blocked off because the investigation of the apartment building. But law enforcement sources said the mosque itself isn't under investigation. Now, under the surveillance program, well, the NYPD actually used what they call mosque crawlers to listen in on sermons and conversations that were taking place at mosques that they were told and had evidence might be controversial and support some type of radicalism. And then these NYPD officers were to report back what they heard. And officers also recorded license plate numbers, mounted cameras on light poles. They mapped and photographed some of these mosques, and they listed their ethnic makeup, according to the Associated Press, which first disclosed the existence of this NYPD program. This was done by Commissioner Ray Kelly at the time. This is like stop and frisk. It actually worked in New York. Now, in 2014, in comes comrade Mayor de Blasio. What did he do? He pulled the plug on the mosque, NYPD mosque surveillance program. We're going to meet today in our next hour one of the policemen that was part of this surveillance that actually surveilled this mosque. And he's going to tell you that evidence showed and was indicative that there was some type of radicalism, at least within that mosque and people within that mosque. So he'll give a firsthand account. So Bill de Blasio said his administration and promised the police force that keeps our city safe, but that's also respectful and fair. This reform is a critical step in easing tensions between the police and the communities they serve. So you've got Chuck Schumer bragging about authoring the diversity visa program brings in the terrorist. You have that specific mosque that he attended that drew the attention of the NYPD in Patterson, New Jersey, Chris Christie at the time blasted the NYPD for doing that. Isn't that the job that they're supposed to do? Now, had we done the, the if the visa program didn't exist and in fact, the surveillance program had continued. Are the odds better that yesterday doesn't happen? And are we going to put the safety and security of Americans first? That's our most important question. What do you think of when you hear the word Lutheran? Do you think liberal women in clerical collars, gay marriage, social justice warriors? 
find out how the 16th century Lutheran Reformation was really a conservative movement intent on reform, not revolution. With the podcast Issues Etc., IssuesETC.net, Real Reformation Radio, IssuesETC.net, IssuesETC.net. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity show. So you're going to meet a retired lieutenant from the NYPD, and his job was as, uh, 10 years in the counterterrorism unit. And you're going to hear from him. And part of his job, he surveilled the very mosque in Patterson, New Jersey, that this terrorist yesterday went to. And then we've got to ask ourselves, there's a big mayoral race coming up in New York City. And, I, and nobody, it doesn't matter how corrupt de Blasio is or how bad the economy is or how bad crime is now getting and how the city is beginning to slowly rot back to where it was before Giuliani was the mayor of the city. You know, this will be a big issue. And uh, they have a big debate tonight, I think, at 7 Eastern. Uh, Bo Dietl will join us later. He's one of the mayoral candidates. But, you know, it's been hard for Bo, unfortunately, because neither party wants to, you know, talk about stop and frisk or talk about keeping the city safe. And, you know, even earlier today, I was de Blasio's having a hard time, you know, on CBS this morning. Just listen to him thread the needle. You'll hear it yourself. Is the assumption that he was inspired by ISIS, but that's the extent of it? The assumption is he is an extremist and a terrorist. Who he is inspired by and how, it's too early to say. There was a note found. There was a note found. That's one of the reasons. Without going into detail, I would simply say the note and what he said coming out of the vehicle and the manner of the attack made it very clear this was an act of terrorism. But we have to be smart about not ascribing to a particular group until we have more evidence. Oh, okay. He's a radical Islamist that left notes saying he's a radical Islamist pledging allegiance to ISIS. That we knew that last night. What is it about the left in this country that they put this this thing that they call diversity ahead of your safety? I'm all for diversity. You know what? We're all children of God in the sense potentially. But those that that will kill in the name of whatever radical ideas they have, I don't care what it is. In this particular case, it's radical Islam. You know, they say strap bombs on themselves. They send their kids into pizza parlors with with these bombs on them, blow themselves up. They promise 72 virgins in heaven and they think they're doing the will of Allah. Well, I'm sorry, is eight families in New York today that are mourning the loss of their loved ones. And there's many more hoping and on their knees and praying that the injuries sustained while innocent people are riding their bikes or walking on a pedestrian path on a beautiful fall summer day, they're praying that these people will recover. All of this and much more coming up. Congressman Meadows, Congressman Bratt, much more. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. All right, we got a lot coming up in the program today. Uh, you're going to meet the retired lieutenant with the NYPD that worked 10 years in the counterterrorism unit that actually part of his job, he surveilled the very mosque that this terrorist uh, attended in Patterson, New Jersey. By the way, at the time, Chris Christie was livid about the fact, well, why are New York PD people here? Because that's where the evidence led them. I talked to the guy earlier. He goes, we, o- we, only, we only followed the evidence. We only, we only followed where the evidence took us. 
So let me play the difference here between that and Comrade Bill de Blasio ending the surveillance program that was surveilling this very mosque. And then, of course, you got Chuck Schumer bragging that, in fact, he's the one that was responsible and authored the diversity visa program. You know, then we've got this other argument in the country that people like me have been making for a long time, that if you come from a country that has radical views where women, all right, imagine this. This is what I've never understood about the left. They should support Sean Hannity because Sean Hannity is saying that if you come from a country where men are allowed to, and there's many of them, where marital abuse of a woman is legal, where men telling women how to dress is legal, where it's not a crime when it's marital rape, it's legal. Or that you have instances women can't drive cars, can't travel abroad without their husband's permission. Legal. That women can't leave the house without a male relative. The law. All of this is reality. And people grow up in societies and culture, cultures that should offend every feminist should be with me on this. Because women shouldn't be treated like that. End of sentence. Gays and lesbians. Well, Hannity, you don't support gay marriage. There's no louder voice in the country than mine that has been saying that these countries that kill innocent people because of who they are and what they do in the privacy of their bedroom is evil. Sean Hannity's championing to stop the insanity of of Sharia as practiced in some countries where gays and lesbians are killed with regularity. They're slaughtered. They're thrown off roofs. They're hung in public squares. They're stoned to death. You know, we did the stoning of Soraya M. years ago. Uh, What was it? Cyrus Norassa did that uh, film, right? Yeah. And I I remember watching it. And it's real. You should still see that movie. And then you got... You know, the persecu- you know, in Saudi Arabia, you can't build a church, a Christian church. Good luck. It's illegal. You can't build a, a Jewish temple. It's illegal. You know, then you look at Israel, this tiniest country in the world. Where's the Alaska Mosque? Right there. You go to the old city, and what do you have? The Armenian sector, the Islamic center, the Christian center, the, 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 the wall uh, for Israel, the, the Jewish community. I mean, I would think that if you are a champion of women's rights, gay and lesbian rights, and religious freedom, you're with Sean Hannity. But no. Donald Trump is saying, if you come from those countries, we're going to vet you to make sure you're not bringing those insane values with you. Because to me, that's insanity. That is, it's like living in, in Fred Flintstone, Barney Rubble land. We don't treat people like that in this country. We believe in liberty, freedom. This is what the president said today. A man drove a truck into a pedestrian bike path and murdered eight people and injured very, very seriously at least 11 more. All of America is praying and grieving for the families who lost their precious loved ones. Horrible act. Our hearts break for them and we pledge to renew our resolve in their memory. My administration is coordinating closely between federal and local officials to investigate the attack and to further investigate this animal. 
Hamill, who did the attacking, and updates will be provided as available. I am today starting the process of terminating the diversity lottery program. I'm going to ask Congress to immediately initiate work to get rid of this program. Diversity and diversity lottery. Diversity lottery sounds nice. It's not nice. It's not good. It's not good. It hasn't been good. We've been against it. So we want to immediately work with Congress on the diversity lottery program, on terminating it, getting rid of it. We want a merit-based program where people come into our country based on merit. And we want to get rid of chain migration. This man that came in, or whatever you want to call him, brought in with him other people. And he was a point, he was the point of contact, the primary point of contact for, and this is preliminarily, 23 people that came in or potentially came in with him. Uh, and that's not acceptable. So we want to get rid of chain migration. And we've wanted to do that for a long time. And I've been wanting to do it for a long time. And we'll be asking Congress to start working on it immediately. There are bills already about ending chain migration, and uh, we have a lot of good bills in there. We're being stopped by Democrats because they're obstructionists, and honestly, they don't want to do what's right for our country. We need strength. We need resolve. We have to stop it. So we're going to get rid of this lottery program as soon as possible. He came in through the diversity program, as you know, and we're going to stop that. We're going to, as quickly as possible, get rid of chain migration and go to a merit-based system. Terrorists are constantly seeking to strike our nation, and it will require the unflinching devotion to our law enforcement, homeland security, and intelligence professionals to keep America safe. We will take all necessary steps to protect our people and our communities and to protect our nation as a whole. We have to get much tougher, we have to get much smarter, and we have to get much less politically correct. We're so politically correct that we're afraid to do anything. And that's not only our country, that's other countries, too, that are having very similar problems. And we have to get tough, we have to get smart, we have to do what's right to protect our citizens. We will never waver in the defense of our beloved country, ever. And we'll never, ever forget the beautiful lives that have been taken from us. That was a horrible event, and we have to stop it, and we have to stop it cold. We also have to come up with punishment that's far quicker and far greater than the punishment these animals are getting right now. They'll go through court for years. At the end, they'll be who knows what happens. We need quick justice, and we need strong justice, much quicker and much stronger than we have right now. Because what we have right now is a joke and it's a laughing stop. And no wonder so much of this stuff takes place. And I think I can speak for plenty of other countries too that are in the same situation. Yeah, there's the president. President gets it, the president understands. What's the downside of the president's plan? Is it more likely that America will be a safer country? That's the question you gotta ask. Is his job diversity or the safety and security of the people of the United States of America. Now, to me, if you're the president, your job, your number one job is the national security or the commander in chief. Your job is to keep this country safe. And then I guess as a country, based on who it is that we elect, we're then going to have to now begin the process of thinking how much 
how much security are we willing to give up in the name of diversity? If you want no vetting whatsoever, are you rolling the dice? Are you taking risks? Because to me, I think it's fairly obvious where this is going. I say we see what migration, immigration, uh, which has been unlimited in Europe. We see what has happened there. I can go through. I can give you a list of all the attacks. I did it last night on TV. And to me, I, it's I am not willing to gamble with your life. And, you know, the Democrats are I, it was so dumb to listen to, you know, Governor Cuomo in New York today. You know, literally, he's criticizing, begins criticizing the president for pointing out that Uzbekistan, the terrorist, was allowed into the country by a law, a visa lottery immigration law authored by Chuck Schumer. So he's mad. You play into the hands of terrorists to the extent that you disrupt and divide and frighten people in society. Within 30 seconds, he is now talking about New York and the gun safety laws in the country, the SAFE Act. And I'm like, what are you doing but politicizing it? Here is a simple, basic, fundamental truth. There are people in the reason we love our country is because of its values, because of its system of laws, that its foundation is called the Constitution of the United States of America. We the people, our founding document, our declaration endowed by our creator. That's what we believe. We be, fundamentally, it's in the, every American's DNA that we are to live free. There are people that don't live like this. There, there are people that that literally believe that. Look, I, I, I don't want to judge the people in this sense. If that's the way you want to run your country and your life, I think it's insane. But it's on it. We can't be the world's policemen. We're never going to democratize, in my view. You can only encourage liberty and freedom. People have got to want it. You can't force it upon them. But, you know, there are people that grow up in countries whose values and culture are in direct contradiction to our values and culture. And even saying this in the minds of some people somehow gets rolled into, oh, bigotry. Not bigoted. Well, maybe it is. Maybe I'm, I am prejudiced in this sense. I am prejudiced that our society should never, ever treat women differently, that women deserve the full rights of men, and that men should not have the right to hit women or the right to punish them based on, quote, religious law or tell women how to dress. Really? Yeah, what, what do I know about fashion, first of all? That women shouldn't ha- women should be allowed to vote, and they should be allowed to drive, and that if you want to be a Christian and you want to build a church and you buy the property, it's your property. Build your church. Do what you want. You want to build a Jewish synagogue. You have every right to practice. We believe in freedom of religion. We believe in freedom of the individual. Yes, America's made mistakes. I've explained. We've talked about that at length. We've had many horrible things in this country. Sure. But there's never been a country that has accumulated more power and abused it less and advanced the common good of humanity more than the United States of America. There's never been a country that has stood up for the cause of liberty more than America. And frankly, with all the criticism that we hear of all our founders and framers, they did design a system that allowed we, the people, to correct wrongs, evils, and injustices. 
So the prejudice I might have is against persecuting women, killing gays and lesbians, and and persecuting Christians and Jews. And the, the idea that somebody grows up in that environment, you have to assume a lot of things here. That A, they really just want the breath of freedom that all of us take for granted. I bet many do, actually. I'm pretty convinced they're not happy living under tyranny, living under such arcanian, old-fashioned, outdated Fred Flintstone-era rules and laws. So that's what we want. And then it's a matter of, well, okay, how do we, what's wrong with vetting them? Do you support the values you grew up under, or do you really want to be an American because you want free? But, you know, you open, it doesn't have to be an open-ended question. We need to know, what's your background? Did you, were you ever a member of ISIS? By the way, Trump may send these New York City terrorists to Gitmo, this guy. I'm all for it. He's an enemy combatant. This is a war for him against the people of the United States. Those people were victims of war yesterday that were slaughtered in the sick, twisted war. Oh, by the way, Democrats are threatening a government shutdown unless Trump caves on the dreamers. Okay, let's see if they fund the wall. This is going to be an interesting showdown. It's, that's another thing. Why can't we control our borders? Yeah, I know people cross the border because they want jobs and opportunity, etc. There are also people that cross that border because they want to bring harm to American communities. That's the thing I've always said the most about, about building the wall. All right, 800-941-SHAWN, toll-free telephone number. You're going to meet this cop that I told you about. He was a retired lieutenant, NYPD. He was one of the members that actually surveilled that specific mosque. Patrick Poole, Bo Deedle, all coming up next hour. All right, Sean Hannity Show, toll-free, 800-941-SHAWN. You'll meet the former NYPD retired lieutenant who actually was part of the counterterrorism unit that Bill de Blasio canceled in New York that was monitoring this specific mosque. Uh, also, mayoral candidate Bo Deedle will join us. Patrick Poole checks in today. And the Freedom Caucus chairman, Mark Meadows, and, and Congressman Dave Brad all stopped by. It's this busy breaking news day. So much going on. We have probably the best TV show we've ever had for you tonight. 9 Eastern, set your DVR on the Fox News Channel. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. said he was waving some sort of an imitation gun. Did you see that? We see it now in the video. Um, they, they looked real to me, um, but he was waving them around. I did see that. And he sprinted towards the group of kids. Towards the group of kids? That's what I saw, yeah. And and, and about how long did this take place? How, how long were you watching them for? Um, I was watching them for about uh, 
maybe 20 seconds before I was, uh, I had to just run back in uh, just for my own safety. Those are some of the sounds from obviously this terror attack in New York yesterday, monitoring what's happening now in London and much, much more. Uh, but you just heard there, this van attacked the hallmarks of an ISIS attack. And there was a picture of a cell phone with an ISIS flag in the exact same area where this attack took place. We're also told that the perpetrator of this terrorism was, in fact, doing dry run-throughs, and the FBI and the government had interviewed him back in, what, 2015. And just among the few developments we have here, joining us is Bill McGroarty. He is a retired lieutenant with the NYPD, worked 10 years in the counterterrorism unit. Patrick Poole, national security uh, correspondent, PJ Media, uh, thank you both for being with us. You know, as I brought up yesterday, Patrick Poole, sure enough, everything that I said that usually happens happened here. And that is that there were the signs and the evidence that terror was going to happen. This guy was telegraphing it all and we didn't pick it up again. Uh, Sean, absolutely. And and yesterday um, in the aftermath of this attack, we were talking about uh, this known wolf terrorism problem where these uh, individuals already known to law enforcement. In this case, uh, uh, Saipov was interviewed by Department of Homeland Security in 2015 because he was the contact point for two other uh, terrorist suspects, one of which who's on the land. They don't know where he is. And yet we have all these um, uh, officials and experts running around talking about lone wolf um, when we know, or the Internet, oh, he was radicalized on the Internet. Well, we know, we know that he was part uh, of this terrorist cell. I mean, it's, it's blindingly obvious. And yet here again, we have the media and, and officials trying to gaslight this whole incident, uh, as we see every time, to, to convince us to believe that this is something other than what it plainly is. You know, and, and look at CNN, for example. They couldn't even say, they said, they put up a Chiron, which is a lower third TV talk for those people that may not know what it means, but it's actually said, oh, he, uh, the, the terrorist was saying God is great in Arabic. And I'm like, and then Jake Tapper, fake Jake, he went out there and, it, well, sometimes under the most beautiful of circumstances, uh, people say Allahu Akbar. That's not how most people hear it. That's what they were screaming on 9-11-01. And there is this mysterious reluctance and resistance to call this what it is, Bill. And when you look at what de Blasio had done in New York, I mean, he basically did away with all the checks and balances that would have helped keep New Yorkers safe. So what are we to think about that? Uh, absolutely, Sean. And, and let me say it's an honor to be on the, the phone with both of you. Uh, I was watching that press conference today, and it, it is sickening to me that this political correctness, and like you said, we, we, we're not calling it what it is, and we're using terms like it's isolated and it's a lone wolf. Yeah, it is a lone wolf, but it's not because it's tens of thousands of these individuals that are talking to each other through the Internet, and it's not isolated because it's happening all throughout. It's every other week we're hearing about another low-tech attack. And until we get proactive about this, you know, the, thing, the things that were put in place by Ray Kelly are being undone by de Blasio. And I had the privilege of serving with, under Ray Kelly after, from 9-11 to 2014. And he had the insight to put forth a couple different things, not only overt programs like Nexus and Shield, but covert 
going out, getting sources, and putting tripwires within communities that you think you might have a problem. And that's, we're, full, we're, we're moving away from that. For the past 17 years, we've been moving backwards instead of moving forward. Yeah, let me play the president from earlier today, as we now know that, you know, if the president's immigration initiatives have been in place in 2010, New York City would have been spared yesterday's terrorist attack because the suspected foreign national terrorist behind this attack in New York City yesterday came to the United States through what's known as a diversity visa lottery, which is a program that President Trump has been trying to eliminate Anyway, the 29-year-old entered the U.S. from Uzbekistan under the diversity visa lottery system and then ultimately got a green card. Now, Trump, along with people like Senator Tom Cotton, Senator David Perdue, they've been calling for an end to this. And also, of course, he wants to vet refugees so that we know their background. If we can't vet you, why are we going to risk the lives of Americans? I am today starting the process of terminating the diversity lottery program. I'm going to ask Congress to immediately initiate work to get rid of this program. Diversity and diversity lottery. Diversity lottery sounds nice. It's not nice. It's not good. It's not good. It hasn't been good. We've been against it. So we want to immediately work with Congress on the diversity lottery program, on terminating it, getting rid of it. We want a merit-based program where people come into our country based on merit. And we want to get rid of chain migration. This man that came in, or whatever you want to call him, brought in with him other people. And he was a point, he was the point of contact, the primary point of contact for, and this is preliminarily, 23 people that came in or potentially came in with him. Uh, and that's not acceptable. So we want to get rid of chain migration. And we've wanted to do that for a long time. And I've been wanting to do it for a long time. And we'll be asking Congress to start working on it immediately. There are bills already about ending chain migration. And uh, we have a lot of good bills in there. We're being stopped by Democrats because they're obstructionists. And honestly, they don't want to do what's right for our country. We need strength. We need resolve. We have to stop it. So we're going to get rid of this lottery program as soon as possible. He came in through the diversity program, as you know, and we're going to stop that. We're going to, as quickly as possible, get rid of chain migration and go to a merit-based system. Terrorists are constantly seeking to strike our nation, and it will require the unflinching devotion to our law enforcement, homeland security, and intelligence professionals to keep America safe. We will take all necessary steps to protect our people and our communities and to protect our nation as a whole. We have to get much tougher, we have to get much smarter, and we have to get much less politically correct. We're so politically correct that we're afraid to do anything. And that's not only our country, that's other countries too that are having very similar problems. And we have to get tough, we have to get smart, we have to do what's right to protect our citizens. The president is dead on accurate, correct, and on the money. Sean, if I can add, that's, that is the rhetoric I want to hear from my government officials about what they're going to do to stop it. Not sit there and talk, you know, sing kumbaya and say how we're going to build more, more barricades to stop them from going up on the street. That's not what I want to hear as a citizen of, of the United States. And if I could just add about that mosque in, in, in Jersey, 
In 2005, when Ray Kelly expanded his intelligence program to outside New York City, I was one of the first people to go out there. And that was one of the first mosques that we started looking at. And we didn't look at it just blindly. We looked at it because we had leads and sources telling us that there are people going there that have anti-American views involved in certain different things that you should be worried about. And that's the leads that we followed. And just like you said, so you saw this up, ended. you saw this particular mosque, you are directly involved in monitoring it. Were there radicalized people there? And how long Absolutely. did we know it? Absolutely. There's, there was radicalized people there since the 90s. The mosque in Patterson, the mosque that the Blind Sheik was involved with on Kennedy Boulevard in Jersey City. The reason we went out there was we knew that um, who we said, who is looking at these locations? We, they're going to plan outside of New York and come into New York, but who's out there watching that? We know the FBI is, and they do a great job, but they're inundated. They're swamped. So Kelly said, I want my people my office is to go out, follow the leads that they get from their sources, and protect our city. And that's what needs to be done. What, tell we us specifically the, the types of— sense, 22nd century. But I think what people want to know, what are the types of things that you saw and that you heard and that you knew were going on there? I can't say the names because they're still under investigation, and, and there's, some are still in that area. Some have moved on to different parts of the country. But Zazi Nabula is one name that I can mention. He was involved in mosques that were in Queens and in Jersey. Other individuals that we had reporting on were people talking about how they could do harm to New York City, how they can do harm to the United States in any way possible, whether it's building a bomb, picking up a knife, stabbing somebody. Back then in 05-06, there wasn't that much rhetoric about using vehicles, but it was rhetoric aimed at hurting American citizens and hateful speech, hateful speech against the United States. All right, stay right there. We're going to continue with <clears throat> Bill uh, McGarty is with us. He personally was firsthand, he has firsthand knowledge of the surveillance that took place at these mosques, and Patrick Poole, national security correspondent, for PJ Media on what is a busy breaking news day. Yes, yet again, 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Quick break right back, and we will continue. All right, as we continue with Bill McGarty, retired lieutenant with the NYPD, worked 10 years in the counterterrorism unit, and actually surveilled some of these mosques where, in particular, this mosque where this terrorist uh, attended frequently, Patrick Poole, national security correspondent for PJ Media. Patrick, you're listening to Bill. He was there. He saw. He heard. He knew radicalization existed. And then, of course, it stops. It ends. I mean, to me, that, that's a government failure. That's a, that's a mayor failure. That's a federal government failure. Absolutely. And, and one of the critical tools uh, that Bill's unit uh, made available was a report in 2007 about the process of radicalization. And one of the things in that report uh, talked about how these terror cells end up separating themselves uh, from the mosque incubators. And uh, that report ended up getting buried um, and, and retracted uh, by de Blasio because there were all these complaints from groups like care and and the usual suspects seen it fostered islamophobia that was an important tool and and again it was the 
these political, politically correct officials that ended up pulling that report that was a, a very useful tool for law enforcement all over the country. Unbelievable. You know, Bill, walk the average person. Exactly what is it you were hearing until this ended that was going on in the mosque of this terrorist? What, now, just to clarify, Sean, we wouldn't just blindly pick this mosque out of a hat and say, well, it's an Islamic mosque, let's look at it. It's leads generated that drew us to that mosque. And what do I mean by leads? Source reporting from human intel stating such and such individual is attending this mosque. When he's at this mosque, he's meeting with other people, and then afterwards going to a private house, going to other places to meet and talk about uh, doing harm to America. That's the best way I could phrase it. We would then go out there. From there, we would either listen to recordings that our sources would take, not while in the mosque, but afterwards when they would leave the mosque, because they knew we were, we were looking at the mosque. So they wouldn't say anything inside the mosque. They would meet, pray, leave, and then have their meetings about what they were going to do, if and how they were going to do it. And it was not only in New Jersey. It was, it, we, we ran cases from Maine to Miami to Seattle, and it was because of us following leads and not sitting back saying, well, we can't do this because and it And it ends correct. how? How did we end this? It, I retired in 2014. It ended when de Blasio basically took over. When de Blasio took over, he wanted to go down the route of political correctness. He didn't, he didn't want us to say, to go out there and make it appear that we were blindly surveilling uh, Islamic mosques, which we were not. We were following leads, and that's, you know, there's a fine line between political correctness and not doing your job. Right. And this, this is what he did. He wanted us not to go out there and do our job and basically turn everything over to the FBI. What does that cause? It causes a backlog in the FBI. You see it in this instant. This individual who committed this attack was on the radar, but they're swamped. They can't look after everybody. So, so, so Ray Kelly example. really was a hero. And between Chuck Schumer bragging, I authored the diversity visa program that brought this guy to the country and the mayor of New York, Comrade de Blasio, ending the new NYPD Ray Kelly surveillance program. But for those two issues, we probably would have been able to stop this. Absolutely. One hundred percent. And it was done in the legal sense. We did not violate. No, you were following leads as good policemen do. That's what they do. All right. Stay right there. We got to We got to take a break. We'll carry you guys over for a few more minutes. Bill uh, McCarty and also Patrick Poole. Patrick Poole's been writing extensively on what is known as Lone Wolf or Known Wolf. We'll get into that when we get back. We'll get to your calls as well. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, we also have Freedom Caucus members, Mark Meadows and Congressman Dave Bratt, and much more. 800-941-SEAN is our number. always 
disbelieve what the other side claims? That's why there's the Sean Hannity Show. It's the assumption that he was inspired by ISIS, but that's the extent of it. The assumption is he is an extremist and a terrorist. Who he is inspired by and how, it's too early to say. There was a note found. There was a note found. That's one of the reasons. Without going into detail, I would simply say the note and what he said coming out of the vehicle and the manner of the attack made it very clear this was an act of terrorism. But we have to be smart about not ascribing to a particular group until we have more evidence. Can you confirm that the suspect said Akbar or anything to that effect? And if so, is that the only indication that this may be an act of terrorism? Or what else is this easy to label? Yeah, he did, he did make a statement when he exited the vehicle. And if you just look at the MO of the attack, uh, that, that's consistent with uh, what's been going on. So that, that along with the statement, has uh, enabled us to label this a terrorist event. Uh, the notes were handwritten in Arabic. Um, they had uh, symbols uh, and words, uh, but the gist of the note was um, that the Islamic State would endure forever. And a quick follow-up with uh, John Miller. The fact that the note was written in Arabic, um, how significant is that, and does it speak at all to the level of radicalization of Mr. Saifov? I don't know. We're going to go back through all of his contacts and habits, but I think this is a, an important time to say uh, this isn't about Islam. Uh, it's not about what mosque he attends. Uh, there are hundreds of thousands of law-abiding Muslims in New York City who are adversely affected by things like this, and um, it's probably a good time to say we have seen in the aftermath of incidents like this, uh, bias incidents, hate crimes, assaults, and uh, Bob Boyce and his hate crimes people uh, will respond to those, investigate those, and anybody behind those will be uh, prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Um, as has been said uh, here before, it is it is a time to come together and to not confuse um, this terrorist act uh, with um, any broad brush against um, uh, in a religion or a particular institution. All right, as we continue with Bill McGrady is with us, Patrick Poole is with us. Bill, retired lieutenant, NYPD, worked 10 years in the counterterrorism unit. Patrick Poole, national security correspondent for PJ Media. You know, I've, you know, Patrick, you have done extensive, extensive reporting on all of this over the years. You know, October of 2014, you wrote, Lone Wolf or Known Wolf? And here we are again. And I'm I'm listening to Bill on the other line, and Bill knew about this mosque that this terrorist had attended. We know that Mayor de Blasio of New York ended the NYPD surveillance program. Even Chris Christie at the time in, in 2012 said it was arrogant that, in fact, born out of arrogance, that New York Police Department was spying on some of these radical mosques where some of their evidence had taken them, evidence and evidence only. And I'm, I'm looking at this, and then I say Chuck Schumer, he's bragging that he authored the Diversity Visa Act. And I'm saying this is just absolutely ridiculous on everybody's front. Sean, absolutely. And, and I coined that term, no more terrorism, because uh, three years ago, I saw that whether it's here in the U.S. or over in Europe, almost without exception, all these terrorist incidents involved people who were already known to law enforcement. They were already known. They were known wolves. And, and what we see with this incident yesterday is really a convergence of a number of, of issues. Uh, you, you're, you're talking about the, the vetting and the visas 
uh, and, and we've been here before. DHS interviewed this guy back in 2015. Uh, we had the um, Somali refugee, Abdul Rizik uh, Artan, who did the attack at Ohio State last November. We had the Zarnayevs at the Boston bombing. Again, we've got vetting problems. We have the, the um, I wrote extensively about the counterterrorism training purge that was directed directly by the Obama White House, which the dismantling of uh, Bill's former NYPD unit uh, was a component of. Uh, we've got these uh, counterterrorism officials who are prohibited from asking certain questions. And then we have the media gaslighting, uh, the media continuing to tell us uh, that what we're seeing is not what we're seeing. There, there's, there's a higher reality, and uh, it, it's just so tiring, and it's frustrating to see, yet again, this is getting people Killed. Without, I think it's just fair to say, de Blasio ending the NYPD surveillance program could have stopped this guy. Chuck Schumer bragging, I authored the diversity visa program. If we didn't have it, there's a likelihood this guy never would have been here. The odds are Americans wouldn't be in the hospital today fighting for their lives and families wouldn't be mourning the death of their loved ones. You know, eight of them yesterday. Uh, is that a fair statement, Bill? Absolutely. And, and the, the report that Patrick mentioned earlier about the radicalization <laughs> was, was a perfect example of how political pressure and political correctness has caused what has happened today. When we were out in New Jersey <laughs> and, and the political pressure that was put on officials in New Jersey, officials in New York, and if the officials in New York like Bloomberg and Kelly didn't bend to it, but the officials in Jersey did because they didn't want us out there in the first place. One, we didn't, they didn't want us to embarrass them. And number two, for whatever reason, they wanted us to stop going into New Jersey. And that report, along with lawsuits that I was personally involved with, put the pressure <laughs> to, to first minimize us around 2012, 2013, and then after the election of de Blasio, basically put an end to what we were doing for, uh, the, the later, for most of the 2000 decade. Let me bring in a mayoral candidate, a longtime friend of mine, personal friend, and uh, he is running for the mayor of New York City and very tough on law enforcement himself is uh, candidate Bo Deedle. And, uh, Bo, I've known you for many, many years, and I've interviewed you a lot over the years. You're now in the fight with this guy, Comrade de Blasio, and what do we discover? But he ended the NYPD surveillance program of the very specific mosque that this terrorist yesterday attended. And I just, you know, I figure it, this isn't political for you. It's just something that I know that you've always supported as somebody that also saw that lives were saved in New York City with stop and frisk. Yeah, well, you know, right now I don't want to criticize what happened yesterday to the fact my heart is with those people that were killed and the ones that were injured. But with all that said, you know, this current mayor right now, all of a sudden he's putting his arms around the cops, saying how great. He's the same one that the cops turned their back on during the funerals when they were letting them take over the Brooklyn Bridge, these disturbing people. What do we want, dead cops? When do we want them now? And now all of a sudden he's having a love fest because it's, it's re-election time. The point is right now what we were doing with the surveillance of these mosques are very important. 
what is this life worth as far as when you're going to have a terrorist that's willing to kill himself and kill people in New York City? We need a mayor that's going to stand up this, to this uh, threat that we have. And this threat is not going away. I've been talking about this threat long before I ran for it's, mayor. I talked about it, showing that we, we were going to be hit with something. And this could be the beginning of a wave. I don't know. But right now, even yesterday, when the mayor and the governor came on, I think it was a little irresponsible for them to say that, oh, this was a lone wolf attack. No, no, you got to conduct an investigation and find out all the facts before you start talking like that. No. People have to be aware. People have to you see something. You have to, you, have to, you have to say something. You have to be well aware or well aware of your surroundings. Well, Bo, I think this is really important because I think this delineates you, distinguishes you from all these candidates in this race. And, and that is, A, you support stop and frisk, which, by the way, we had a murder rate of almost 3,000 in New York. It went down to 500 and even lower one year uh, because of it. That's been stopped by de Blasio. Now we're seeing the murder rate rise once again in New York City, and we're seeing New York City becoming more dangerous as a result. And he ends the surveillance program. And you're talking also with officer, former NYPD retired Lieutenant Bill McGrady, and he was he was on the ground and literally monitoring this specific mosque. Those wow. are things that I think you as mayor would do. Well, you want to know something. Here's a little more information. And by the way, yes. it's not because it's a mosque. It's because that's where the evidence led them, not because that, of a religion. It. And they and they, they had to have some evidence because they were able to obtain warrants to go into that mosque. So they had to have evidence to the fact that there was something there that was enough for a judge to sign a, a warrant to go in there. Now, the other thing a lot of people don't know, he talks about crime being down. I get this from the school safety officers. Just pick up today's New York Post. God, the school safety officers are directed not to make police reports on assaults, weapons, drugs, flush the, flush the drugs down the toilet, so they're not making reports. Let me ask Bill. Bill, can you respond to what uh, mayoral candidate Bo Deedle is saying? With the numbers in the police department, with crime, I, I, I agree with him 100%. And, and the numbers in the police department, crime is on the rise. And don't let anyone tell you different. The, the men and women I talk to every day say the crime is on the rise. The numbers are played with. That is an absolute fact. No one will admit it, but they, they, knock, uh, they knock the categorizations down so the numbers play right and everything looks good and everyone could say, yeah, crime is down. And I just want to put one point out there, Sean. Think about this. Under eight years of Bloomberg and Kelly, not one successful terrorist attack. In less than four years, we've had two successful attacks within this city because of one reason, the Blasio and political correctness. And you know what? I know something, Sean. When you have nine out of ten cops, this was done by the Daily News, nine out of ten cops said if they found another job, they'd leave the NYPD. Morale is down in the ground. you got a lot of New York City cops that don't want to get involved now because of this mayor. They do not like this mayor. He's hated by the police officers. And you don't want to know something? We need a mayor that these cops can look up for that will support them and not turn them down every time there's a questionable something happens. This mayor is right away. He's try, he wants to be the judge and jury right away. Let's get Patrick Poole in this. Patrick? Uh, Sean, um, I, I, I want to go back to what Bill talked about, uh, about the mosque surveillance, and he talked about the Najibullah Zazi case, uh, which, again, just showed that um, how important it was 
for these surveillance techniques, which again are are driven by active intelligence, where Najibuli uh, Zazi was actually tipped off by his imam um, after the FBI had asked the NYPD to talk to this imam. The imam ended up picking up the phone and and uh, tipping him off. So uh, you know these are important programs. Uh, that were shut down by de Blasio. Yep. Um, that's the scary thing in, in all of these cases, you know. And, and then, of course, the social media impact where we know what these guys are stay, uh, saying. All right, Bill, Patrick, uh, mayoral candidate, Bo Dietl, stay right there. We've got to take a quick break, and we'll come back. We'll, we'll finish this. We have a trip to Washington that we've got to make. We've got to find out what's going on in this economic plan. We have so many great economic indicators out there that we've got to keep the momentum going, and the only way that's going to happen is through the president's economic stimulus tax reform bill, and we'll have an update from Freedom Caucus members Mark Meadows and Dave Brack coming up we'll have full coverage of how stupid schumer how stupid uh comrade bill de blasio are and the dangers that they now brought to the city of new york because of their adherence to political correctness all right as we continue sean hannity's show with bill mcgrarty his retired lieutenant nypd he actually surveilled the specific mosque of this terrorist patrick Poole, national security correspondent pj media and bo dito mayoral candidate new york city big debate tonight between comrade de blasio and bo dito you don't want to miss it in light of these events uh let's start with you final thoughts bill well Final thoughts. My first thing I want to say is, Bo, if I still lived in the city, you'd have my vote. But unfortunately, I live up in Rockland County. Thank you. We, we, we need to stop political correctness, and we need to start policing in the 22nd century. Proactive sources, tripwires, moving forward to keep our citizens safe. What is your final word, Patrick Poole? Uh, Sean, I, I got to applaud you. you. You've had me on repeatedly talking about no more terrorism and the counterterrorism purge. Sean, I think what your your listeners need to keep their their eye on is the media here. Again, we're seeing this media narrative trying to suppress all the information, uh, trying to tell us that this is uh, something that it isn't, and and we need to push back on that. All right, Bo Dietl, there's a big debate tonight. Obviously, this is going to be a major focus of this debate. Give us a preview. What can Comrade de Blasio expect, especially considering he ended the NYPD surveillance program of this specific mosque? Well, again, I don't want to politicize this. i got enough ammunition for him with his corruption. And, again, we have some ideas for the New York City Police Department. One of my big ideas, we love community policing. We love the cops to look like the community. I want to wave the two-year college degree, get some kids from the inner cities on the police department, let them go to college at night and get their degrees. But let's have the police department reflect our neighborhoods. Then this whole division that this may has caused can be eliminated. And we have cops out there. All they want to do is do their job. And this mayor has been, a, has been in the middle of it, stopping them from doing their job. People don't care. There's a lot of cops that ride around now. I talk to them every day. I want these cops all to be uh, out there and be observant to what's going on. we got the greatest police department in the world. We need the police department, the police officers, to love their mayor. And I will be the mayor. They will never turn their backs on me the way they did to de Blasio. That's such a good point. People forget that, too. And uh, I've got to believe, though, this is going to be a big part. Corruption, the two big issues tonight will be corruption and will be him ending the surveillance 
program, and people like Bill McGrady were actually there monitoring what he saw, a lot of radicalism on display, and we stopped. That could have saved lives, potentially. Thank you all. Bo, good luck tonight in the debate. We will be watching. Uh, Bill McGrady, Patrick Poole, thank you. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. What's going on in D.C.? We'll have an update. Freedom Caucus members, their chairman, Mark Meadows, and Dave Brack, congressman from Virginia, next. We've now had two straight quarters of 3% or more economic growth, GDP. But our economy and our country cannot take off the way it really should. So it's really, really competitive with the rest of the world unless we get the kind of tax cuts for our companies and our middle class, our workers, unless we get the jobs we need. It can't really take off until we get the tax cuts and reform passed. This week, the House Ways and Means Committee will unveil a historic tax plan that will create new jobs, higher wages, which hasn't happened in many years, and now it's starting to happen, I'm happy to tell you. Many, many years. People making less money today than they made 20 years ago. You've heard it many times before. But it'll lead to tremendous prosperity for American families, communities, and also for our job-producing businesses. At the center of our plan are tax cuts for the working Americans. We will reduce tax rates, increase the amount of income that is taxed at zero, and increase the child tax credit, which is very important to families. We'll make the tax code simple and fair so that the vast majority of Americans can file their taxes on a single sheet of paper. We will restore America's competitive edge by lowering taxes on America's businesses for the first time in more than 30 years, and it'll be a historic cut. Right now, other countries are so far below us. And then when you wonder, you see all these companies leaving one after another. They leave. That's not going to be happening. And I must tell you, I've stopped it even before this. But we're going to be uh, stopping it in full. People are coming back. Under our plan, we'll go from being one of the highest tax nations in the world to one of the lowest, meaning more jobs, more factories, more plants, more opportunities right here in America where we want them. Tremendously different trade deals. Our trade deals are horrible. They were made by people that, honestly, uh, it's sad. It's very sad for our country. Every trade deal we have is disastrous. We're renegotiating our trade deals. And if we have support from Congress, we'll make trade deals that are horror shows into very good and respectable trade deals and trade deals that are good for both countries and, in fact, many countries. But very important is that we renegotiate our trade deals. All right. That was the president talking about the economy today as we follow all our top stories, the terror attack in New York City, what we're learning about how the New York mayor ended the NYPD surveillance program that literally targeted the mosque this guy went to. Chuck Schumer's out there bragging, well, I'm the one that... I'm the one that authored the diversity visa program that allowed this guy into the country. The president addressed that, too, today. Uh, first, we do have a little bit of troubling news if you want things done. And that is the headline in Politico today is the House GOP has delayed the tax bill rollout. We're not exactly sure why. And then we have a Bloomberg report that the GOP is bracing for all hell to break loose when the tax bill finally drops. 
Well, we thought that we were going to see the bill actually this week. Joining us, Freedom Caucus Chairman, Congressman Mark Meadows, North Carolina, North Carolina Freedom Caucus member, Congressman Dave Bratt. Guys, welcome back to the program. What's going on? It's great to be with you, Sean, and uh, it's it's actually a, a good day for America in that the president is talking about jobs and job growth and tax reform. Uh, we've just got to get it done, and I, and I think the headlines that you're talking about there, Sean, is is really maybe just a 24-hour delay. I, I'm hopeful tomorrow that we actually see the details. I've met with Chairman Brady today, and I think we're very close to actually seeing the legislative text in the, in the next next few hours instead of the next few weeks. All right. What is it going to be? Why is there, Why are their predictions all hell is going to break loose? I know that there's been a framework for this bill, and I understand that uh, that a move was made to get the House and the Senate on the same calendar, as I understand it. Do you believe that, Congressman Meadows? Well, I, I think there was a move to do that. Perhaps the the real problem is is we're talking about thousands of pages of legislative text, and and I, I know that I've met with the uh, the president and the administration. I've met with a number of other people to try to define some some parameters that both Congressman Bratt and myself can support. The real problem, the reason why all hell may break loose, is that there's a long ways between a set of principles that unite us and the pay-fors and how it applies to uh, your listeners and our constituents. And uh, even within the last few hours, I started to hear a few troubling things that might uh, uh, provide for a a real uh, rigorous debate in the coming days. Okay, Congressman Bratt, do you see this delay as a problem? Yeah, I mean, it's a little problem. It's it's hinting already they're they're struggling to find votes. But I, I, I'm still optimistic <clears throat> the same structure is still in place, right? The C Corp, the S Corp, some of the details, and they're, they're, they're mid-sized details, right? Uh, keeping the high rate uh, on the high-income folks at 39. Most Republicans want to see rate reductions for everybody is typical. Uh, and then the salt, the state and local piece, you know, they're, they're going to maybe uh, get rid of the state piece, but keep the local piece as a compromise for the New Yorkers and New Jersey folks, uh, et cetera. But at the end of the day, the structure's still there. Everything President Trump was talking about is still in play. The good news is there. And then just, you know, to the folks listening out there, contrast this to what you would hear if Hillary Clinton were president today. And look at the progressive budget. The Democrats put in a tax plan. It uh, doesn't get any airtime. You can go Google it. It raises taxes $10 trillion, raises spending $11 trillion, and adds more debt and deficit than our budget does when we cut taxes. And you won't ever hear that covered by the mainstream press. They all of a sudden— yeah, I want a copy. Press. I never even saw that, and I think I yeah. pride myself in being informed. Can you send me yep. a uh, copy yeah, of that? you bet. You bet. I, I, I like shared to see- it with Newt the other night, too. He was all fascinated. He was like, oh, boy, I'm going to blow this thing up. Yeah, well, you give it to me, and I'll blow it up, too. So uh, I'll look forward to it. Uh, let me ask you both. So is it basically the same that we have had the president running on? We Here we're going to get, what, a 20% corporate tax rate. We have middle-class taxes are going to be cut. We're going to lower the rates, uh, what, on, on repatriation of like 10% so we can incentivize trillions for multinationals to come back. Uh, and we're going to get rid of state local deductions. Now, people like Chucky Schumer, you know, that lives in a liberal state like New York, and he wants to support the liberal governor, Andrew Cuomo, and the liberal mayor, Mayor de Blasio, that all have state local income taxes. Uh, those taxes may not be deductible, or some of them may not be deductible. What's the latest on that, Congressman Meadows? 
Well, uh, I think we've got some type of an agreement uh, on the, the state and local. It looks like they'll roll that out with having uh, most of the 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 benefit not just going to New York or or uh, California or New Jersey uh, from from other hardworking American taxpayers. But your your question was is is this really what the president campaigned on? And I would say uh, an unqualified yes. I mean it, it's about lowering the rates for the middle income wage earners, getting our, our economy to go again. And uh, he has been really laser focused on this and probably understands the whole tax reform issue uh, better than many members of Congress. And so he's he's personally engaged in it. And so I'm very optimistic, like uh, uh, Dave Bratt was, was just mentioning, that we're not only going to get it done, it will come at a great, uh, I guess, back and forth headline starting, uh, I believe, tomorrow, where they're saying, well, we're affecting this group or not helping this this particular uh, special interest group. As long as we keep the focus on uh, moms and dads and aunts and uncles on Main Street, uh, we, we'll be in a good place and not just a special interest uh, lobbyist here in Washington, D.C. So as I understand it, Dave Bratt, that the big struggle this week was the income thresholds for the top rate are going to be higher than they currently are. Likely between what seven hundred and fifty thousand and a million dollars, the estate tax would likewise be replaced, but may have to be phased out to save money. Phased out means it's not going to happen to me, and other, you know, other unresolved issues in the House Ways and Means Committee um, that they say led to this de- delay, including how to win over GOP lawmakers from these high tax states. And they're balking. Meanwhile, why don't they just fix their states? It's not my fault that New York State has a nearly 10 percent state income tax on top of the 40 percent you guys hit me with. Not you personally. Right. No, that that's right. I mean, the war we're all talking about with the swamp. Right. Uh, Chairman Meadows was just uh, getting at that. Right. That's the war. And all the pay-fors that the swamp, right, the special loopholes, the special deductions, they can walk in with their lobbyists and get a special line put in the budget to give them a preference. And anything they win, it's a, it, it is a fixed pie, right? we got a trillion and a half to work with in the Senate budget. And so that's the total amount we get to dole out, right? The whole thing in total is about $5 trillion. Uh, but there's a fixed sum, right? So either the swamp gets it or the middle class gets it. So the Freedom Caucus obviously is fighting tooth and nail on behalf of the middle class and to get economic growth. And that, that part's underplayed, right? The press, yeah. you always do those clip series on your shows. Put a clip series together of the Democrats. Hey, you're never going to have 3% growth. That's a, you're, you're utopian. There's no way that can happen. Well, it's happened. Imagine if we didn't have the hurricanes in that period of time. It would have been amazing. All right, stay right there. When we come back, I want to ask uh, Congressman Brad, Congressman Meadows about Uranium One and about this dossier and about the congressional investigations that finally have been kick-started as I've been screaming my lungs out forever that it needs to happen. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll continue straight ahead. And as we continue with the chairman of the Freedom Caucus, Mark Meadows, and the he's from North Carolina and also Freedom Caucus member from the Commonwealth of Virginia, Dave Bratt is with us. Congressman Meadows, uh, finally we're getting congressional action on the Uranium One deal. And what we see is, is that the new information that we've been breaking is that in 2009, the FBI, and that would mean the former FBI, now special counsel, 
uh, director, which was Robert Mueller, he knew everything about bribery and kickbacks and money laundering and extortion and racketeering all happening in 2009 that there was a network within the United States set up by Vladimir Putin, uh, the hostile regime, the hostile actor that he is, for the very distinct purpose of cracking into our uranium market and even though they knew these crimes were being committed, apparently they let this insane Uranium One deal go, go through in 2010. But they knew these crimes were happening. So now that's being investigated, as is the Clinton bought and paid for, DNC bought and paid for, Obama bought and paid for, phony, salacious Russian dossier that had, you know, all this misinformation and lies about Donald Trump. To me, there's real Russia collusion in both cases. Your reaction? Well, I I can tell you at this particular time, maybe it's time to get a special prosecutor for our special prosecutor. You know, if if indeed some of the stories that you've actually been reporting for some time, Sean, uh, if if the investigation into all of this really bears out the facts where we have uh, the DNC and uh, the Clinton campaign and others uh, paying for a dossier that uh, potentially could have been used in a number of different ways. Uh, really, that's where the Russian collusion's all, all there. Now, the jury is is not even out for deliberation. As you mentioned, uh, I think it's imperative that we look at it and actually investigate it in a real way here on Capitol. Capitol Hill, but uh, some of the the reporting and the facts that seem to support that reporting uh, paint a very bleak picture for many of my Democrat colleagues who have been uh, claiming Russian collusion on behalf of uh, President Trump. Now all of a sudden, uh, those those chickens are starting to come home to roost, and uh, it's perhaps getting too close uh, for comfort to the DNC. So we're going to get to the bottom of it. I'm I'm on oversight, as you know. Uh, Sean, and uh, so whether it's it's investigations in our committee or other committees, uh, it's time to really uncover uh, the real truth behind a lot of these stories that you've been reporting for some time. The evidence is overwhelming. And here we are, we get the Manafort indictment. There's nothing about Russia, Congressman Bratt. Nothing. Zero. Zip. Not a thing. And the financial transactions are from 2006 to 2014. What is this? What are they doing here? Yeah, well, what they're doing is obviously politics, and you've been on it. And then uh, the the special prosecutor that is in place uh, hired a lot of folks who are Clinton donors. And so the only place Russia does turn out is when they do the write-ups. You will notice they do mention Russia in the headlines. And then they mention the term Russia, 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 when there is no connection. So the whole thing has been politicized. And our oversight committee, we got great people on there, but our leadership on both sides, right, the Senate and the House, haven't moved forward aggressively enough on this. And I don't think they get how important this is to the American people. You can't have two standards of justice, right, one for the middle class and one for the elites up here in the bubble, uh, that if you get busted, uh, everybody knows where the bodies are buried up here, right? So if one side gets in trouble, they threaten the other side. And uh, I think the American people have caught on to what's going on up here. It's unbelievable. Well, I'm going to tell you, if if you guys, and I'm not saying this to you, because frankly, but for the Freedom Caucus and a couple of senators, I don't trust any of your fellow colleagues there. If this tax bill, reform bill, is not done, forget it. Good luck in, in... in 2018, good luck. You're not going to. It's not going to be what you want. Well, Sean, you're exactly right. It's we've got to actually produce results. We got to quit talking about what we're going to do and actually 
do what we said we were going to do. And if yep. we can do that, then ultimately it'll the, be a good day at the ballot. The economy grows, the forgotten men and women. We already have great statistics to build off of, which I don't have time to get into now. But all right, thank you both. Congressman uh, Meadows, North Carolina, apparently doesn't want me down in North Carolina campaigning for him, doesn't want to be seen with me. Maybe I'll just have to offer my – maybe I'll have to do my campaigning with Dave Bratt, but maybe he doesn't want to be seen with me either. I don't blame you. Hey, how are you next May for my breakfast? <laughs> okay, next May. Okay, call me in April, all right? Quick break. We'll come back. We'll continue. It's the Sean Hannity Show. Congressman Ron DeSantis wants to limit the, limit the scope of Robert Mueller. That's coming up. We'll continue. Who was the FBI director when all of this stuff was going on? Robert Mueller, who's now the special counsel. Who was the U.S. attorney in charge of copying the plea deal, which many of us believe was a sweetheart deal, uh, with the main perpetrator here, Rod Rosenstein, who's the deputy attorney general? Obviously, Eric Holder was involved. So, Loretta so you, Lynch was involved. You feel like, so, are you saying you feel like this was an intentional cover-up because of this non-disclosure agreement? Do you think that Mueller and Rosenstein knew more than they let on to connect these dots because so far there's a lot of smoke here well that's what we need to figure out i mean here's what we do know leland none this everything the confidential informant was giving to the authorities none of that was produced to congress or to the CFIUS board before the Uranium One deal was approved. I don't know why that was the case, but it's very odd that that was the case because clearly this was an individual who was knee-deep in uncovering a massive racketeering scheme involving this deal. You had an opportunity, you said, to talk to this informant and to their lawyer. Tell us what they told you happened and what you think then didn't happen uh, that should have. Well, I spoke with the attorney, and obviously there's a lot of things that uh, I think the individual wants to be able to provide that he's just not doing now because of but, but, what the but, Justice but, Department but what? said. But what? What is it that he wants to provide? So what he will be able to provide, I believe, just reading between the lines, is that he was involved with these Russian agents, and the Russian agents from very be- the very beginning were interested in the Clintons and really believed that the Clintons would be their pathway to doing this deal. And obviously there was a lot of money that exchanged hands um, in the intervening time period. So this is somebody who was involved with these people, I think would be able to testify both of what they said and then what they did. And you'll notice like in the Robert Menendez, the Senator Menendez bribery scandal right now, you have a quid, you have a quo. You don't necessarily have anyone filling in the details there. He still may get convicted. We'll see. But this one, I think you would have this confidential informant would provide some really significant information. And so but I'm also one. Let's let the chips fall where they may. I mean, you know, if if there was somehow a reasonable explanation for this, fine. Let the American people see that. Uh, But I think it's very odd that none of this would have come out prior to the approval of that deal in 2010. This was critical information that those CFIUS board members, including Secretary Clinton, needed to have before approving this deal. Well, I've been able to speak with the confidential informant that helped the FBI uncover this bribery scheme. I've spoken with his attorney, and this informant wants to tell his story, but he's currently under a non-disclosure agreement that was signed with the Eric Holder Justice Department. He came forward in 2016, was threatened with with reprisal from the Loretta Lynch Justice Department. Clearly, it's in the interest, in the public's interest, that this individual
individual be able to tell this story to Congress? Because what you have, Leland, is we have the money that went to Bill Clinton for the speech, the half a million dollars, millions of dollars to the foundation. All right, that's Congressman Ron DeSantis, 24 now till the top of the hour. And while the mainstream media spent all of this time on allegations about Trump-Russia collusion, which is over a year now, produced no evidence, zero, as we learned in the even the Manafort indictment. Now we've got all these scandals that we have been in the forefront of, reporting along with Sarah Carter and, of course, John Solomon. And what DeSantis was saying is, you know, speaking about these reports about Democrats and Hillary's campaign, we know Hillary's campaign, we know the DNC, and now we know Obama. All paid for the phony, salacious dossier that was Russian misinformation, propaganda, and lies. Anyway, he was also referencing the House Intelligence Committee announcing the investigation into the administration, Obama administration's decision to allow Russia to acquire 20 percent of our uranium, which nobody can give me an answer why that's ever a good idea. Anyway, DeSantis is a member of the House Oversight Committee. And uh, thank you so much for being with us. How are you? I'm doing good. Good work, Sean. You're kicking butt. Yeah, I mean, it's been, you know, it's like been pulling teeth to get your colleagues to wake the hell up with all due respect to your colleagues. Well, I think last week, though, was an inflection point because we not only launched the Uranium One investigation, we also launched, um, and and I think brought it to a different level, the Fusion GPS and the dossier, and then the Comey investigation with all the Comey memos. And so this should have happened before. I agree with you. I've been fighting to do this, but at least we've turned that corner and can start getting the answers that the American people deserve. Okay, can you think of any good reason to give a bad actor Putin and a hostile regime Russia 20% of our uranium? None. None. So why did how could this possibly happen especially in light of this what we discovered last week, which is the FBI informant? That, well, we're going to find out when. I'm waiting. I'm not and by the way, I'm not being angry at you. You're you've been fighting. I'm just I'm like so I've been, you know, you, you I've been know screaming about you've it. You've been all over this with the informant. He is he is categorizing and, and getting all of his documents. He's got a lot of documents. So he's getting all of those together. He is absolutely planning to come in, provide those to Congress. He's going to testify, uh, probably do some interviews but, you know, outside the public view. And I think what we'll then do is take that information. There'll probably be people we don't even know about right now that we'll have to go and, and bring in. And I think eventually he will definitely be testified. But here's what I want to understand. Because the FBI director, they knew in 2009 that Vladimir Putin wanted to get a monopoly and a foothold in the American uranium market. And we knew that he had operatives inside the country. And the informant actually infiltrated on behalf of the FBI. That means in 2009, the FBI knew about documents. They had a first-hand insider's account through the informant. Uh, I'm told there are emails, and I'm told there are tapes. That means Robert Mueller, the head of the FBI at the time, had to know. That means Eric Holder, the head of the Justice Department, who also was one of the nine signing off on the Uranium One deal, he had to know. And then then at, at that point... How do you allow Putin, who's using bribery, kickbacks, extortion, money laundering and racketeering to actually succeed when we know he's doing it? Well, you're right. And Rod Rosenstein knew he was the U.S. attorney that was overseeing the case at the time. And so the question is, we already had enough evidence to bring this case forward. Why didn't they bring it forward before the CFIUS board approved this? There has to be a reason why they wouldn't have done that. Normally, when you investigate 
and you have people committing serious offenses, you indict them and then you bring Well, that sounds to me like a question that Mueller and a question that Hillary and a question that everyone of the nine members, including Holder on that board. And you're right, Rosenstein, because they all knew about the bribery, extortion, money laundering, kickbacks and racketeering. I think that's going to be one of the central questions to both Mueller and to Rosenstein. You guys had this informant in in 2009. They had him for a year and a half before the CFIUS board approved Uranium One. So the question is, you had all this inculpatory evidence, damning evidence, and yet you sat on it and you didn't move a case forward. Had they moved a case forward, imagine what that would have done to the debate in the Congress. I mean, you already had people like Peter King who were saying, don't do this. I think it would have blown the whole deal up. It would have been absolutely critical information. Because it's an it's an insane proposition to even consider giving Putin and Russia this, you know, the, this is the foundational material for nuclear weapons. This is madness. Oh, that's right. And then it's, it's interesting how they try to pin Russia on all this stuff now since the president's been elected. But look at this whole eight years about all the things. This is just one of the things that was done. Obviously, it's a very egregious thing. Uh, so a lot of the Democrats have really changed their tune on Russia conveniently in the last year. Okay, how then, how can Mueller and Rosenstein be investigating anything Russian-related when, in my opinion, there needs to be an investigation into what they knew about Uranium One, what they knew about this network? Yeah, look, I mean, I think that uh, for for them to have uh, been in charge of this, uh, it really blows the mind. I mean, we have 300 million people in this country. You couldn't have found people who were not involved in any of this undertow like they were for years and years. Um, I think this whole thing from the appointment of Mueller uh, has been a total disaster. I don't think it should have ever happened. Uh, I don't think they followed the Department of Justice regulations when they did it because they didn't identify a crime. Um, And so here we are with this thing with really no limit. And he's just out to try to find whatever he can. Yeah. Let's talk about Fusion GPS. And now we know that the very thing that the Democrats and Hillary were accusing the Trump campaign of that led to this appointment of a special counsel that they themselves are guilty of. We now know that Hillary, through her lawyer law firm, the DNC through their law firm, which is the same, and Obama through the same law firm, all funded the Russian lies, the salacious dossier that they ended that ended up getting repeated again and again as a means of influencing the electorate before an election. They bought and paid for the lies, the Russian lies. Yeah, and so this is an example of money from her campaign and the National Committee going directly to the creation of a dossier, which what did you have to do to get the dossier? You had to collude with Russian operatives. That's what they did. That's how they got that information. And so now we're sitting here worried about some Papadopoulos sending an email about some meeting, and the the press is all in a tizzy about that. What about this actual dossier collusion? That is collusion. Well, I just want to know, how does everything get so ass backwards? And like, I feel like a voice in the wilderness here, you know, saying, hey, look over here because we've got evidence here. There's no evidence what you've been looking at for a year, but I've got evidence of real collusion. Hillary, the DNC, Obama bought and paid for Russian propaganda and lies to spread to the American people to influence the American people to influence an election. How come nobody seems to care about this? Well, the people do care about it, and I think that's one of the reasons why you're doing so well. You're whipping Maddow's butt. 
um, on your Fox show, and I think that's one of the reasons that people do care. But do you want to know why? But you know, I want to say something. You don't want to know why, Congressman, because I'm I want the American people to know the truth, and I'd like to focus on things that matter. You know, absolutely, like getting the but economy rolling. Invested, Go ahead. If you're not invested in the narrative that the D.C. media is invested in. They are invested in this Russia narrative. They started it from the day he got elected, and they're continuing it. And so anything that diverges from that, they do not want to give it a fair shake. And so that's just where we are. I mean, after all these many months, what evidence do we have to support their narrative? We still don't have any evidence to support the media's narrative. This has now gone on a year. What do you think about Mueller in this sense, that, you know, the the big indictment comes out has nothing to do with Trump, Russia, the campaign, nothing. It has to do with financial dealings of Paul Manafort from the years 2006 to 2014 was the last transaction. Yeah, I, I think you do not need a special counsel to do that. I think that case, I don't know if there's merit to it. It should be immediately transferred to the Department of Justice. See, that's what their job is. They can handle that case. You don't need a special counsel to do that. Um, well, do you think a special counsel would be a good idea? Well, I don't think you need one for, for any of this stuff involving Trump. I mean, I think we probably need one for some of the Fusion GPS and the Uranium One, simply because Sessions has already said he's going to recuse on anything involving the Clintons. And then Rosenstein was involved in some of this, so he clearly can't do it. So I think it would make sense for those cases, uh, to get somebody with a fresh set of eyes. Let me let me move on now. I think probably this is a make-or-break moment for the Republicans if they want any shot at staying in power, and that is this entire tax reform deal. Um, I happened to speak to some of the leadership today, and I said, are you guys going to get this done? And apparently they're, they're confident it'll get done, but I have no confidence in Mitch McConnell or you know, Snowflake out in Arizona or, you know, Ben Sass, who's an ass, and uh, and John McCain and some of these other people. Do you? Well, we'll pass it in the House, Sean. That's all I can say. It's a good bill. The president's right. Yeah, but you passed it. the health care bill in the House, too, and they didn't pass it in the Senate. And that doesn't help so you here. I think this is I think this is make or break for the Republican establishment in the Senate. They've always said they could get things done, that conservatives were the problem. But as you mentioned, conservatives have passed all these things out of the House so far. So now it's time for the McConnell-aligned establishment to show they can produce, put some points on the board, and pass this tax bill. All right. So you think it's going to pass in the House. What is going to be in there? Because we, ha- I know we have a framework. We don't have a bill yet. When are we going to see the bill? We should have had a bill by now. I mean, I think this has been it's taken too long. We knew what we wanted to do from day one. Uh, we should have had a bill before the August recess. I think we would have passed it by now. So the danger in waiting to unveil the legislative text this late is, you know, if there's a 401k rollback in there, if there's things that we're not on board with, then you start to lose the coalition. So hopefully they don't do that. Uh, But I just think it would have been better to have this bill produced six weeks ago. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, Congressman, we really appreciate you being with us. And thanks for being one of the good guys that's actually out there fighting and trying to get us to a point where we can get to and understand the truth about what is now a massive boomerang back on the Democrats, which I've been predicting. Uh, Thank you so much for being with us. Keep up the good fight. We appreciate it. Thanks. Godspeed. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. We have an amazing show tonight, 9 Eastern. We will tell you specifically and exactly how people like Mayor de Blasio of New York and people like Chuck Schumer have made America less safe 
specifically with the New York City terrorists. We'll have full, complete coverage of all of that. Also tonight, we investigate the investigators, and also we investigate the most dishonest, corrupt media in the country, Sebastian Gorka, Sheriff Clark. You'll meet a guy that was on the NYPD counterterrorism that literally surveilled that mosque. We'll get to that. Pam Gela, Geraldo Mort, 9 Eastern, Hannity on Fox. We'll see you back here tomorrow. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.